The Hurling Podcast is brought to you by the Enniscorthy Credit Union, where you can join and apply for a loan on the same day. With great interest rates and special rates for car loans, green car loans and education loans. Check out their website at enniscorthycu.ie. The Enniscorthy Credit Union. Local, loyal and lending. Loans are subject to approval. Terms and conditions apply. If you do not meet the repayments on your loan, your account will go into arrears. This may affect your credit rating, which may limit your ability to access credit in the future. Enniscorthy Credit Union Limited is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Catch, touch and bang. Dara is a fantastic coach and um, some really, really exciting uh, young players coming through. Um, so there's an awful lot to be uh, excited about Max really the moment. I listen to dancing at the crossroads there about three or four times a week in the car on the way down just to get me <laughs> <laughs> Tony is like the party, uh, as we well know. Then we had Billy Byrne, who was going to come in to be the game changer. And we had to put a high ball in from the middle of the field. And Billy Byrne's job was to catch, touch and bang. Catch, touch and bang. Oh, there's no rules. This guy just grabbed the ball, threw it up in the air and then hit it. Most importantly, I'd like to thank you, the people of Wexford, who stuck with us through take and take. Come on, Wexford! Hello and welcome to the Hurling Podcast. Wexford made it 4 from 4 with a 122-212 win over Offaly at the weekend in Wexford Park. But unfortunately, after beating Sarsfields of Galway in the All-Ireland Senior Club Camogie Final in December, the elder Camogie team lost out this time to the same team on Saturday. We're joined by JJ Doyle and Davy Redmond to chat about the games. They say the hardest thing to do when you retire from Intercounty is to leave the WhatsApp group. Did you find this? Did you find this hard, Davy? Well, I left one. I left, I left one of them voluntarily. So. Um, it is actually a very difficult thing, though. In fairness, it's pro- probably uh, you've been in a WhatsApp group for a long number of years, and then you have to. Then it's kind of final. Then you have to. You spend about spend about five hours trying to put together this uh, message, and like really, lads don't care really that much to be honest. And then you're just gone. Then good luck, and um, yeah, it's kind of final. In fairness, so yeah, I would uh, be after hearing that from a few lads now. That's it. You're not going to be let back into a group. Unless you're very, very good, and they, like Joe Canning, and they're going to hound you to death looking for you to come back. So you left one voluntarily. Yeah, yeah. And the other one not voluntarily. <laughs> <laughs> Knew you'd bring this up, Ben. <laughs> all, all, all I see is JJ Doyle. JJ Doyle has removed you from this group. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was still considering my retirement that time, and that. JJ made me mind up then. In fairness to you, JJ, maybe you were told. Oh, geez, I was definitely told if I wouldn't have made that decision. <laughs> I went through it myself after my uh, about two months with the Wexford panel, uh, being removed from the group. I used to always be, I used to be living in, in Tala at the time and telling the lads about, ah, why are saying this now, in with the Wexford lads. And uh, and then after Liam Dunn had dropped me, about a week went by and uh, I got asked, uh, so are you still in the WhatsApp group then, Gary, or what's the story? And I said, yeah, I think so. But they have been fairly quiet recently. And o- opened up the group and saw you've been removed from the group. <laughs> so, yeah, I know what it's like, that- Davey, but I-, I wasn't in it for years now. so. And <laughs> um, that always caused a, a bit of debate. 
you'd have the breakout groups then as well that would be commentating about such and such a guy after being removed. Why was he removed? Must have been <laughs> must have been must have been drinking. <laughs> um, yeah, WhatsApp groups can be a terrifying uh, experience if you happen to mix the groups up as well. <laughs> if you're in a WhatsApp group with your teacher. <laughs> Is did something happen, Ben? No, I just mean to be the Wexford group now, sure. Have Kevin Foley, Oshin Pepper, Corey, Brandon Barr, and Kevin Kevin is the boys' teacher, isn't he? That's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? Inappropriate what? would be the word I would call it. <laughs> you would always um you would always feel for the poor old guy, and it's happened to me as well, where you actually end up I don't know how it happens, but it's like a split second decision to send this thing into the group and then it's the fear of own crap. It's the it's the wrong bloody group. You know, delete, 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 and then you have all the messages. Delete that, Dave. Delete that. Delete that. Delete that. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't because it's in the cloud and there's no getting rid of it. So maybe it makes more sense now on why JJ removed you from the group so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Things are becoming very clear. I wasn't one to worry about. Uh, on Saturday, JJ. Awfully were ahead. The game was in the balance. I would say the crowd were almost too relaxed. You know, it was as if when we got ahead, you know, people didn't care. Like, so we're going to be awfully anyway. Were we a little, little overconfident? Um, yeah, probably. The whole game, the whole atmosphere from the start kind of just didn't seem, kind of felt like, ah, sure, as we're going to win this. You know, uh, this is awfully, you know, we're after beating... Limerick, we're after beating Galway, we're after beating Clare. Sure, this is only awfully, you know, and those are the dangerous games for for players. And it's not that guys go out, you know, I suppose with it consciously that they're taking the opposition lightly, but when you're probably hearing all week, you know, gosh, it's only awfully, lads, it's only awfully. It does get in, I'm sure it gets into to players' heads and it's probably always having had an inevitability about it, though, that the guys were going to start hurling and, and, and turn it on but you know when, when they did I suppose it was actually listen this is what we expected you know they came back they I suppose they got the wiped out the deficit and then obviously took the lead and that and, and drove on but it was like Asher this is what we came here expecting and I suppose the, the pleasing thing for me was I suppose first of all going into Wexford Park and Sahar and seeing the crowd that was there because you know there was I'd say a lot of people were probably thinking, "Ah, sure, listen, something awfully, and we're not going to trump." But there was a great crowd there, and and I think that the fact that the boys did dig it out and, and won it comfortably in the end, you know, I mean, probably the, the couple of experienced players coming on did certainly help, especially Liam Og. I thought had a, a great impact when he came onto the field, and uh, Connor Flood as well came on and got a couple of points and drove for home. And there was also, you know, it was a there was a good breeze behind him there in the second half, and. An unusual, an unusual win for Wexford Park that was blown towards the, the, the Clannard end. And, you know, I think awfully probably, probably what was happening to Wexford 10, 12 years ago, ran out of steam after maybe 50, 55 minutes. And the, the superior physicality and fitness of the Wexford lads just drove it home in the end. Do you think there's any fear just considering that, I suppose Wexford in the championship are going to be expected to beat Leash and expected to beat Westmead that a similar kind of relaxed attitude, especially at the start of a game, 
could cost them? Um, we had it against Leash last <clears throat> year, was it? Hmm. You know, and, and it was the same thing. And it was something we really consciously focused on was we needed to do a job, you know, to be classed as one of the, the best teams in the country. You have to take every opposition you're playing on their merits and, and really show dominance. And I think that day, you know, we put the uh, leash to the sword in the very in the first half of it. And, you know, but it was a conscious thing. It was a conscious that we weren't taking these for granted and we weren't looking past playing leash that day. And, and I think it's what the lads need to do. You know, the, the first two games in the championship from a mental perspective will take care of themselves in Galway and Dublin. And then you have the two middle games and those are the those are those ones. Now, a lot probably will depend on on how the lads get on in the two home games in the Galway and in the Dublin game. And, you know, if they're going in there on the back of two wins, obviously they'll be absolutely boisterous and, you know, they'll be really looking to cement their, their place going into the, the fifth game against Kilkenny. But, you know, if the first two don't go well, well, then there's even extra pressure on, on that leash game. So, listen, it is a mental game. It's a mental game against teams like that. And they probably see Wexford as, as a better chance of beating Wexford than is maybe a beating Goldberg, Kilkenny, or certainly would have done over the last number of years anyway. Yeah. Rory's goal was, in the first half, was something special, really. And I've heard a lot of reports, read a couple of reports on it. Do you feel that anything they've said has been done justice to how good the goal was, JJ? Well, I suppose from knowing Rory over the last five years, it's not out of character for him. You know, I mean, there's probably no one else on the field would have had the confidence to try it, you know, to to, to kind of step over the ball and make a fool of the, the <laughs> awfully guy. And then a lot of lads, when they would maybe have, have been successful and that would have picked the ball up and tapped it over the bar and it would have looked a spectacular point. But... But I suppose that's what, what that's what makes Rory special is that like it's goal first. And if he can't get a goal, he'll take a point. You know, whereas with other players, some other players, it can be let's take the point and, and you'll maybe work a goal. But like he had a lot of work to do even after he had he had soldier man the dummy and he took a fairly heavy tackle then around, I think it was around the 21, 14. So once he got past that guy, there was only ever one, you know, one outcome. And like just things like that just change the course and just gives other players confidence. But like I've seen Rory playing well over the last number of years, but I don't think I've seen him playing as well as he has in the the game so far this year. And you know, you're kind of every time you see him taking a quick a turn or that you're just hoping, geez, I hope he doesn't get injured because you know there's a lot of great players in that Wexford team, but on form at the minute, he's just like he's one of the best in the country. There's no and on form he's He's certainly up there as one of the best in the country at the minute. So, so you're more, <laughs> whereas me personally, when I see Rory get the ball, it's just pure excitement. But you have the excitement, but also with a little bit of don't hurt yourself. Well, I am at this time of the year, yeah, because it's inter-county hurdles about championship. It isn't, yeah. like, it'd be great to do well in the league and all that, but I want Rory to be there on the 16th in, in Wexford Park against 16th of April against Galway, doing exactly that to the to the Galway full-back line. You know, and you just hope and, and just and like I know it's been poor weather and stuff like that. It's just the way the pitch was kind of cutting up on Saturday and there was a few times he turned and kind of sods are coming up and you're thinking, Jesus, like is is he going to do an ankle or and, and let's be honest, like he has been a bit susceptible to two injuries and muscular injuries yeah. and that kind of thing. So I'd 
you can't wrap him in cotton wool because he's a guy who actually needs to play to to get to his best. But it's getting that fine balance between playing enough and just hoping hoping he's he's there on the on the sixteenth of April. I was at the game with a friend of mine, and after the game, he said to me, "You know, when we were losing, I just I wasn't worried at all because we have Rory O'Connor. Just one player. Like, are we almost?" Are we are we a little too reliant on Rory, David? Do you think? Um, <clears throat> are we too reliant on Rory? Well, he was the standout player on the field, without a doubt. Like, it was very, very obvious. Every time the ball went into him, something happened. He either created his own scores by winning freeze and being so direct, or he done the scoring himself. Um, yeah. Awfully kind of uh, allowed allowed it to happen as well by leaving so much space in front of Rory. Um, you know, it was, I think the cornerback got taken off and, um, after the first half. I think that time he scored the goal, the cornerback and the, and the centre-back, I think, got booked as well for trying to trying to take him out of it. Um, but uh, I think he's flourishing at the moment because uh, Lee Chin is not playing. I think he's kind of taken over that mantle maybe of being... Um, being our, our most direct forward. And um, I think he's grown into that role massively. Like Connor is playing up all right, but different type of a player, I think. Um, I think that, and, it, and it's since day one, since I saw Rory, um, I think he played a game against Owlert inside in Belfield one evening. And he was a different animal that time. I remember he, he ran over somebody like, I think Sean Murphy or Owen Moore, somebody, like that would be a good strong senior player and he just ran over him like he plays with an intent and an aggressiveness that you see in a lot of top class forwards you know and I think JJ mentioned it probably similar to Conor Callaghan that, um, from Dublin like he wants to score a goal he knows he can score a goal it doesn't matter who or what defenders are in front of him he wants to score that goal first of all and you know, if he doesn't, he'll win a free. If not, he'll recycle the ball, maybe, um, and we'll get a point out of it. But, um, no, I think it's fantastic to see him. Like, you've got marquee forwards, now. Wexford have marquee forwards. And when I was playing especially, we probably didn't. And now we've got um, definitely three, if not four marquee forwards, definitely three. And um, at the moment, Rory's up there with the best in the, in the country at the moment. But, like, he needs to keep it going. And... Um, I think he's a type of personality as well. He's so driven and ambitious and all. He probably wants to be the best forward in the country. Is he there yet? Probably not. Like, you know, it's, we're only looking at it from a, from a, a league form at the moment. Um, but uh, definitely the best player on the field the other day, without a doubt. What does that add then? Like, you're saying in the past, we haven't had so many marquee forwards. Having three or four of them, it, does that mean that one of them can have an off day and the others will pick up the slack or is it just more difficult for oppositions because they can't just focus on one or two players or they're focusing on three or four to try to keep quiet? Yeah, absolutely. It kind of spreads their offence out. They're better, they're better defenders out. It does. Um, I think in the second half, they had to push off. They had to push um, number three, Ben Keneally, who would be their, probably their best defender. They had to put him corner back like, or they had to put him on Rory. Obviously that, um, been putting somebody else, then dragging someone else back to Mark Connor. Um, it does kind of 
uh, spread their defence. Absolutely. Um, we saw before with when we played Kilkenny a few years ago when we put James Breen on TJ Reid and he did a job. Uh, we won the match. So generally, every team now has has a has a has one defender that's a man marker. Um, I'm not sure how many other man markers teams are going to have really. Um, but yeah, and listen, like then you have the young, exciting talents coming through as well that are going to add to that. Maybe not this year, but maybe 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there, you've got opposing defenders wondering, who's this fella? Who's this, who's this young fella that's coming on here, you know, with all this pace and all this skill? So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting now um, once Lee comes back into the fold, you know, where he, where's he going to play? Um, and you're hoping to God then that um, Rory still get the same kind of ball into him inside. So, you know, it all depends on where they play. Against Offaly, the two lads, Connor and Rory, stayed inside. Like, that's very, very dangerous for any team in the country to try and defend against. And it was, it's good to see that, you know, good to see two strong forwards inside. So, when Lee comes back, would you throw him in there and have the three of them in there? <laughs> kind of happened at the, near the end of the Clare game last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to try to get the ball in too, don't you? And the ball went in the last day, in fairness. The ball was like, for that goal alone, I thought the, the build-up play for that, like it was a puck out, I think it was. Our half-backs uh, broke it down, were dominant in the air. Connor Hearn, who I thought had a good game, um, in fairness, got on a lot of ball. He, he linked the play an awful lot. He, he, did, he was on He's very fit and very mobile. And he went down, he won the break like every midfielder should. Um, I think there was an awfully man kind of got sucked towards him, maybe the wing-back it was. I think it was the wing-back. And then... Then it was a matter of just popping the ball in over the top and there was an ache or a space for Rory to run into. You know, and that's kind of... There's no real style there, really, other than um, Wexford reusing the ball very well and doing the simple things very well. Halfback dominating the, the puck out, midfielder winning the break, and a quick ball into space, into a, uh, into a, 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 a serious forward. So, um, and uh, When Lee comes back, it's about balance, I suppose. And is he fit? Is he ready? Is he... What kind of um, game time can you get into them? But it's about having balance in the forwards as well, I think. So the way it's gone, you can probably switch guys around here and there. But uh, Connor's probably looks like Connor's going to stay inside now the whole time, I reckon. So um, and there's players around him now. So um, it's exciting to look at at the moment. Very exciting. Were you impressed, JJ, with the the depth of the squad? Like, make so many changes, still get the victory. Yeah, listen, you hadn't Paul D. Sart, you hadn't Jipo, obviously Lee hasn't played yet. Paul Morris is a little bit of an eagle at the minute. You know, we've already said Lee Moog didn't start either. Um, I suppose just on the, the Lee and inside, I think it's probably the last thing you do because you put all your eggs in one basket in there and then maybe the opposition are able to crowd that whole area. The thing I'll say on Rory is, Rory will stay in there as long as the ball's gone in, but if the ball isn't going in, whether he's told or not, he'll go looking for it because he just wants to be involved in the game. And like the amount of running both sides of the field he was doing because the space was there. Now you put a Lee on in the in the half forward line and that's it, you know, hopefully it's even spreads it out even more and, and creates what you're looking to do by by Connor staying in on the edge of the square. It's creating the space for Rory to run. Now, if you maybe put two guys running inside then it's 
you know, maybe it's killing that space for, for Rory to get into. So as long as the ball can be kept being put into him, he'll stay in there. Uh, but in the heat of championship, to do the amount of running he's doing at the minute will be difficult to, to maintain. So as Davey said, you know, it's it's swapping in and out. Maybe it's putting a Lee in there for a while. Maybe it's putting a Carl Dunbar in there. It's, you know, it's having that bit of variety. It's also, like, I don't think we went in with very, very little high ball on top of Mike on, on Saturday, which, you know, which that's his game. No matter what anyone says, I know people say he's, you know, ball outside of him that like Connor wants his one-on-one with a full back and where he may not win them all, he doesn't need to win them all as a full forward. If he wins two or three in a game, the way he finishes, he could end up with two goals out of out of three shots. So, you know, the, I suppose getting back to your original question, the strength and depth, yeah, um, huge strength and depth. And I suppose we're concentrating on the forward area, but over the last number of years, would have been a lot of queries about, you know, cornerback being a an area of weakness or whatever. Now, we, to be honest with you, within the squad, we never felt that. And I suppose you look at it now, you had Saturday there, you had, you had Conor Devich, you had Shane Rake. Matt has played a good bit of cornerback in the league so far. You, you know, you have Jippo to come back into the fullback there. Simon Donahue has been absolutely brilliant. You know, I think at the start of the year when, when we maybe heard that that uh, Joe O'Connor had gone travelling, was kind of saying, God, like, Joe is gone. Shane Rick was injured at that stage. We were kind of wondering, well, where are we going to get cornerbacks out of? And now it's it's looking like a, a certainly an area of strength. And what it's probably done, it, it's freed Demo out up to maybe go into a role in the, the half-back line. And whereas maybe he won't be a marking half-back, he's, he's a very good man on, I suppose, to I won't use the S word, but in that space there in the backs where maybe he's not having to pick somebody up for the pace in that now. <laughs> You know, when we look at Saturday, I thought I thought Demo was a bit off it on Saturday, and it, it kind of comes back to my point earlier about maybe not being a hundred percent switched on. He got he got bottled up a few times because he hesitated a little bit on the ball, which he didn't do in in the Galway game at all. He was getting it, and he was gone. And like once Demo turns on the afterburners, there's no one catching him, and he's a brilliant ball player. He's well capable of, of bursting out from the half back line and and scoring from long range and. And I think it, that's something we need to look at. You know, the opposition are obviously going to do the analysis on Wakesford and they're going to need, they're going to sit their half-back lines back in front of Rory and we're going to have to do something to pull them out. And the only way you can do that is start shooting from distance. And I think our shooting from distance hasn't been pretty now. I know it's the time of the year or whatever, but like championship is four weeks' time, so the weather could be just as bad in April. So, you know, may, might need to, to get more scores from the, the half-hour line. Um to allow, you know, to, to give the opposition something to think about because if their half-back line can sit back, I think of a Limerick, you know, the Limerick half-back line like to sit back and crowd that space in front of the opposition full forward line. And if they do that, well, there certainly won't be the room that Rory had on Saturday against against Offaly. So, you know, you need that variety. Um, every ball can't be long. And, and I think we, we kind of figured out over the last couple of years you can't run every ball either. So it's it's getting that mix and match. And it's easier said than done, to be honest with you, because what you're trying to do to stop the opposition, they're obviously doing. And, and it's not going to take any top analyst in the country to figure out, well, one main lad they need to work on, look at is, is Rory. And well, how did they stop him? And probably if the ball goes into him, he's going to win it. So the only way to do stop it then is, is actually stop the ball going in. And, you know, how... How they'll do that is probably just absolutely crowd the middle third of the field. 
and, and especially their half-back line. And we then need to start shooting from distance to try and draw them out to create the spacing over the top. We do have players who can score from distance. Jack O'Connor, Connell Flood can obviously do it. And uh, when Lee comes back, he'll be another person who can do that. Yeah, we do have them. We just you know, need to be conscious of doing it, that every ball just can't, you know, we can't get to a point where we're relying on putting every ball into the full forward line into Rory. There was a few incidents in where I felt, especially in the first half, um, we left ourselves vulnerable inside um, in our own half of the field. Like there was a couple of cases where there was, it was 2v2 inside in our half of the pitch. Our wing backs had gone up the field. The ball was, pro- I think there was definitely one case where the ball was played back to Damo. Damien had the ball, had his head up. He looked up, and I think everyone, bar Matt O'Hanlon and possibly one of the other cornerbacks, were all in front of Damo. I mean, and we were kind of, we weren't really flowing that well with our striking and our passing. And it was only one misplaced pass, and we were opened up inside 2v2. And maybe you'd get away with that against Offaly, but if you can imagine the next game now where you're playing Cork and it's a Jack O'Connor inside, you know, on a, on a Matt O'Hanlon or on, a, on, on one of the other defenders, maybe Shane Rick, you know, you have to be conscious too of not pushing, not being, not, not attacking too much, if you know what I mean. And our wing backs especially, and I know it's probably an instinct from, um, the last number of years playing with Wexford but I feel now we just need to hold back a little bit if one wing back decides to attack maybe the other guy can sit back a little and block that space and be careful of a counter attack maybe from the opposing team I felt that we were probably running for the sake of running at times and you know sometimes it's as easy to just get a ball off a half back line and just put it over the bar especially if you've got a bit of a breeze with you and there's probably, especially now when they're kind of given that freedom to, to do that and given that freedom to shoot. Um, yeah, and um, another important player, lads, and I was just looking at the few games in the, in the park um, over the last few weeks, Dio O'Keefe is vital. You can have all the tactics that you want, but Dio O'Keefe in himself is a, is, a, is a tactic because he's so smart on the ball. Against Limerick, he was fantastic. Great there was talk... Yeah. There was talk that he was playing as a sweeper. He, he, was, he wasn't playing as a sweeper. He was, he was only using his brain and he was dropping back and he was filling spaces in front of our full-back line, in front of our cornerbacks. If a wing-back went up the field, Dio dropped back into the right pocket or in the left pocket. And when the other team, especially when Limerick lifted their heads, they could just see Dio blocking the space. And it wasn't a sweeper. It was just that he was dropping back and using his brain. And then when we overturned the ball, Matt O'Hanlon that day broke an awful lot of 50-50 ball and Dio was always available for the out ball and he kind of he's a big playmaker for Wexford when he's on the ball and you'll see I know he was uh, a few teams tried to shut him out over the last number of years but D is massive Wexford are a different team when D is not playing I feel that he just gets on the ball so much if he's getting on 20-25 balls a game Wexford are doing really well because he's he's making play he's building play he's setting up attacks um and then vice versa, like uh, or Liam McGovern. I thought he brought an awful calmness when he came on. He got on the ball. He made the right pass. He wasn't trying to carry it too far. He got on the ball, took a few steps, gave it to someone maybe that was running out wide like Connor Flood. 
and and an easy point. You know, I thought I thought Lee Morg was fantastic. I thought he was really good, and he's actually playing very very well. Yeah, the other guy there, and it's the same very much along what Dave is saying there, is Kevin Foley. And I think they need to find exactly what role Kevin's going to play because I know they started a wing forward on the weekend and I, I don't think it really worked. But when they brought him back out towards the middle of the field, he's like, it's exactly what Dave has said about D. O'Keefe. Kevin has an unbelievable hurling brain and he will see. He got back on numerous occasions in the second half in that game on Saturday where. He was back in, in his own half-back line, back towards his own full-back line, being an option, you know, seeing where the space was. Maybe one of the, the half-backs had, or Connor Devitt got up the field a good bit in the game and Kevin kind of covered that. And I think, personally, I think Dio and Kevin could be could be a very, very good um, midfield partnership because if one of them goes, the other will sit. And, you know, it's easy to talk about these things, but at times... Guys need to be able to read the game and see well. That's there's two wing backs now, or there's a wing back and a centre back gone forward. I need to sit back rather than as Dave was just saying. A lot of the time, everyone goes forward, and and then that's grand until you get turned over. But if you get turned over, then you're maybe your full back line gets absolutely exposed, and and that's where you need guys to be able to read the game and and also to be able to I suppose sacrifice their own game. And I think it's why Will O'Donoghue is so important for. For, for Limerick and Daryl Donovan, you know, you don't ever see them doing a whole lot, but it's exactly as, as Davey said there about the O'Keefe. Like, if he's not, it's only when they're not in the team that you realise what it is that they give to the team. And, and Paul Morris has been the very same over the last number of years. It's, you know, people don't, from the outside, maybe don't see the work that these guys do. And it's, it's often when they're not in the team that you realise, God, that lad, you know what's missing here today, and it's it's possibly the work rate and guys being selfless in in the work that they're putting in, and it'll be interesting to see who they do go with as as a midfield partnership, and and also what 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 happens with Jacko. You know he started wing back, he started centre forward, he started midfield. So it'll be interesting where they do settle on 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 playing him because you know it's the half back line. I think probably were a bit unsettled the last day, but. If you look at it like Gavin hasn't played in a long time and it was his first game and it was brilliant to see him back and you know Jacko then had moved back from the forwards to the wing back and you know he has that attacking mentality uh, there as well so it's kind of it's it's not an easy team to pick at this point in time and it's great having a lot of options but then that that does add to the headaches as well and you know I suppose probably from the league semi-final they'll probably they'll, you'd be hoping to start looking at their championship team because guys need to get used to playing with one another as well and you're know, reading off another and a lot of them have played a lot of hurling together and, and probably when you look at the squad there's probably not going to be too many new faces starting championship this year that maybe haven't started in the last couple of years Where do you see Jack Jack O'Connor's best position JJ? I always felt like back in the days of the under 21s I always felt wing back was his best position Um He's good at coming on to the ball. For me, I think he'll score as much for you, especially in the modern game. You know, he'll score as much from wing back as he probably will from from midfield, half forward. Um, like if you look at the, the wing backs there for for Limerick, you know, they're a scoring threat nowadays, especially if you're going to be playing it. And let's be honest about it, everyone's playing seven backs in one shape or another. It's a midfielder dropping back or or whatever it is. And you know, he has the physicality back there. I think he's always better coming onto the ball 
Um, I just find at times in the half hour line, um, you know, kind of the game can tend to go around him. He maybe tries a little bit too hard to, to be a scoring forward, whereas in the backs, I just think his physical size, um, his scoring prowess from back there, he can carry the ball out of defence. Um, if you were to ask me if, if I was to nail my colours in the mass, I'd say probably wing back is where I'd see him as his his best position. It's not saying he can't do a job in other spots, but I think that's that's the best position for him. He'd hate me saying this now, but I've always found him really good coming off the bench because I think he he plays with kind of uh, I should have been starting and he's out to prove a point and he comes on fired up and he hurls really well. But uh, I don't think he'd like to hear that. <laughs> no, nobody, wants nobody, wants, be, nobody wants to be that guy. <laughs> no one wants to be the super sub, but I, I, yeah, I think some of his better performances Best performance over the years have been maybe coming, coming off the bench, but then he's had some great performances in yeah, the start as well. So it's, um, yeah, it's probably for him as well to nail down. He he never really nailed down a specific position for us, and that can be hard too when you're, you're swapping and you're becoming a, def- a forward one day, a defender the next day, a midfielder. It's, you know, I'm sure every player just wants to maybe nail down one one position, especially inter county, and and really go at that, but. Like he, he's so versatile and, and that at times can be, you know, a hindrance to him as well. Player. Yeah, it's a bit the same with Damo. You know, you look at Damien Reckon, like you could play Damien, you probably could play him in goal, but you could certainly play him anywhere from two to 15 because he's such a good hurler. And, you know, we obviously use him as a corner back because we needed pace, but we also needed if someone was able to come out with a ball, he had the pace to do it. I'd say if you asked him, probably... Six is his favourite position. Um, certainly the half back line. Um, he could be a really good midfielder because I just think he has the that size. He has that. You know, he's an engine. He's very, very lively. He can score. Um, so and listen, I I think he could play in the forwards if you really need it as well. So there's a lot of players like that. Whereas you look at a Jippo and let's be honest about it, full back is is his spot and he's one of the best in the country at it. You know and. And he knows that, and that's what he focuses on. Yeah. Dara Egan was talking to Peter Myrna on Wexford GA TV, and he mentioned that Corey, Dun- Corey Dunbar was the best trainer at the Centre of Excellence on training on the Tuesday night, and he got rewarded by getting named in the squad, coming on, and then he did well and scored a point. How important is that, that showing well in training can earn you game time like that, Davey? Sure. Um, for the management, they're looking for attitude, really. They're just looking for guys with really, really good attitude and guys with an ambition that they want to play for Wexford and they want to, they want to, um, you know, they're after making this senior hurling squad, like, so they need to, they need to show something. And, I can only imagine how exciting it is up there um, for senior hurling training with so many young players that, you know, but Darigan probably doesn't know anything about them. Um, probably saw him playing club. All right. But um, like it brings an energy to if you see these young guys training and hitting hitting the older guys hard and and um, it just brings an energy. Like we we definitely mentioned before on this podcast about Rory's Rory O'Connor's um train uh, first few training sessions with the seniors, like you know, made everybody stand back and say, Well, this guy's got talent. And 
it's the same goes for Corey and, and, and Keenan and Ushing Pepper and the other guys. You know, it kind of gains a bit of trust as well from the senior players that this guy is ready, this guy is able. <laughs> this guy's just after putting me onto my arse here. You know, this guy could be taking my place soon. That's what you want. He might take your place, but it would be well earned. So, like, I don't think any senior player that's been there for a number of years will do too much whinging if the guy is better than him, if the guy is putting in hard work. The guys that come in and are happy, especially young players that come in and are happy that they're, they've made it, they're on the county panel now, they can go into school, they can tell all their friends they're on the county team. And, but, like, he'll be gone out of there just as fast. So um, I think the younger guys that are in there now have the right attitude in fairness and they have the energy and they have that ambition too that they want to play for Wexford and that's what you want Is it a surprise yeah. is it a surprise Davey the young lads who are getting game time now because none of these the guys say Pepper Dunbar uh, Keenburn they didn't actually start the 2019 minor final where we kind of expected that it's going to be an array of these lads who come through are we surprised like that those aren't the guys who particularly have come through and it's kind of different guys? Uh, to an extent, yeah. I think since the guys won the minor that time, the 20-year-olds as such, that um, there's been a certain amount of pressure on them to perform, you know, to be ready. That so Where is he now? Where's that guy now? You know, the guys, they're still only 20 years of age. Some of them still only 19. So... These other guys, Keen Burns, the Ushings, and, and Corey's, uh, Derek Harley, they've kind of come under the radar a little bit. They got, they obviously they had a good, that was a good minor team that came after that. And Maiden O'Connor and, and, and Paul Carley had it. That was a, they, they played Kilkenny in Wexford Park um, during COVID that time. Um, and that was a good minor team with a lot of good players. And they probably felt that, you know, they, 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 they could win Leinster that time. So they've kind of flown under the radar a little bit. All the talk has been about the other guys. And I even felt last year when we were training under 20s, a lot of the energy was coming from the younger group. And there's a lot more that younger group still to come through as well, I think. Yeah, maybe there's just... Maybe there's just, they've just got a bit more... Um, bit more in them in terms of, you know... They, they haven't been successful yet. They want to they want to win something. They want to make their mark maybe for Wexford. So um, they are flying it and there's a nice crop of them coming through at that age. They'd be mainly 18, 19. What, three, three of them are still in school or two of them anyway are still in school. So that's mental, you know. It's great It's great to see it though if they're good enough you throw them in. Dar Egan was also saying that on Saturday morning before the game there was eight lads training in Peters College including Leachin, Mikey Dwyer, Carl Dunbar, Liam Ryan, and that these are all lads to come back in as well as the likes of Mogi who didn't start. And the game against Cork will probably be picked based on an A versus B game next weekend at training. Um, is that showing the strength and depth in the squad at the minute? Yeah, possibly is, but I'd say they have a fair idea who they're going to play in that game and there might be maybe two or three spots up for grabs on it. Um, you know, you, you try and reward guys for for their performances in in training. If a guy is really tearing it up, but you would also have an idea of, you know, of of what your team is going to be because, like, you're looking at the core game, you're looking at your league semi final. Those are the two games that are guaranteed to play now prior prior, prior to championship. And 
I'm sure they know who they need to get game time into. Um, it's brilliant. Like I, I, I'm working with the, those lads in the other 20s and they're a great group of lads. And it's interesting you're talking about the guys that are up to the age of 20. Um, I always kind of felt when they won the minor in, in 19, just, I suppose, the homecoming, um, the fact that it was everything was joined to the seniors having won at the same day that... Did it maybe go to, to some guys' heads? And that's not to be to be cruel to them. But what they've had as well is they've had a tough couple of years with, with COVID in their real developmental uh, time. And I know Davy was with the, with the lads there for the last couple of years. And she's been with under 20s. That, that was tough going because, you know, you had very little access to lads because of COVID, because trainings were being, first of all, you look at uh, 2020 where they had to play under 20 in December. You know, with very little, with very little time to work with the lads or prepare them because everything was closed down. The same thing last year; everything was closed down. Very little time, and those guys have missed out in a couple of years. And then you look at the club championship last year. The three lads you've spoken about there: Oshin Pepper, Keen Byrne from Feathered, and Corey Dunbarlick. There were three of the outstanding, probably forwards in the senior championship last year. Not alone young lads, but but you know, Corey for Ferns was brilliant. Keen Byrne was brilliant for Feathered and, and Oshin likewise in a county win, championship winning team for uh, the Raps kind of stood out. So I suppose they they now also have the benefit of a new manager in who is looking at guys and would would if Davy was still there, if I was if we were still there as a management team, would we probably have given these guys as much of a go? Possibly not, because you have that, whether you want to admit it or not, or whether it's even a conscious thing. You have that loyalty to the guys that are that are there that you know who have done it, who've put the work in, and you know new guys that come in have to prove a point. And it's interesting that you know you have had as Davy was saying there. I remember the first night Rory came in and like Rory came in basically by his actions told lads, well I'm going to start in this team. Whereas there are other guys that are, that have come in and possibly are in there now. And have been happy enough to be in there and haven't really stuck their chest out. And and it's interesting talking to some of the older players. Like some guys that think, you know, an older player see these lads coming in as a threat and, you know, nearly it looked down on them or try to in their place. Whereas I know speaking to a couple of the the older, the, the more established players over the last number of years, they expect they want these guys to, to earn their respect by doing something in training. As we've spoken about with Rory uh, coming in and Showing that they deserve to be there, and, and as Davy said, that, that they can trust these guys. Then that if they're in the trenches beside them in a league or championship game, that you know they're not going to to wilt or to fall back or to, I suppose, expect the older guy to do the, the tough work for him. So, yeah, to get back to your original point, yeah, they'll probably pick maybe one or two positions. But I, I'd reckon between Willie and and um, Niall and, and Dara himself, I'd say they have a fair idea who's going to play in that car game in two weeks' time. And similarly, JJ, like the league semi-final could be against Kilkenny or Dublin. Is there enough of a gap between the championship match against either of those two that you can go with a full-strength team? Uh, like, or would it be more of a shadow, shadow boxing? Is, is a league semi-final, is it just that's there to be won, that's there to get play your top yeah. game, get ready for the championship. I've always laughed and I hear podcasts and I see articles written about this shadow boxing and lads afraid. Certainly in my five years involved in it, you went out to win every game and, you know, you put out your best team and 
like you look at it, you can look at it in two ways. You put out a weakened team against Kilkenny because you don't want them to show, you don't want to show them what you have. But like Kilkenny know exactly what Wexford have. Wexford know exactly what Kilkenny have, regardless of whether they play or not. Like if TJ Reid doesn't play against Wexford in a league semi-final, we know TJ Reid is going to play against Wexford in the championship if he's not injured. And we know what he's like and we know how they're going to play. And they probably know how Wexford are going to play. So I think you go out, you put your best team out, you try and win it because it's very much about momentum as well. You know, you win that league semi-final, like you you get beaten in that, then you have three weeks to kind of lick your wounds before a championship game at home to Galway. You win it, you have a game then the following week, a league final. Like Wexford are not in the position to be throwing up the chance to get to the league finals and because you know we just haven't done it in God knows like, what is the seventy three since we won a league seven, or something like that. Seven, seventy seventy two seventy three, yeah. We've only won four. Yes. Exactly. So I like from from a management perspective, and I know it's great, it's great conversation, all that, but it's very much listen, let's win the game that's in front of us and put out the best players you have and go at it. And there's so much analysis done, there's so much video analysis, so much, I suppose, uh material out there that everyone knows about everyone at this stage so you're not it's not like you're oh we're going to be cute now i'm going to keep i'm going to keep lee chain and and rory o'connor off in that semi-final because they won't know what's going to hit him come championship time they know exactly you know so go out and get the guys get momentum and absolutely go for it it'll be my it'll be my uh way of looking at it you think they might uh, be a bit more relaxed for the cork game coming up in two weeks considering both teams are true I don't think so. Like if Wexford relax against Cork, and I've heard it, you know, the, the theory, and, and I heard it from a, a source the other day, is kind of that the Cork maybe are going to put out, um, you know, not a second string, but not a full team. And the problem with that is you have every lad then coming in absolutely tearing at the bit to be part of the team, and possibly Wexford might might do the same the next day. But as we said, like the boys will know who who they need to get some a bit of more game time into as well. And I'd say if you're probably going to experiment a bit, that's more of a game to experiment in than the league semi-final. Your the Ireland Camogie team, obviously, did very well to get to an All-Ireland final. They only won one not too long ago. They've done pretty astonishingly well over the years. I was listening to Martin's story today, <clears throat> saying that he reckons if it had been in a different pitch, other than Crow Park, maybe a smaller pitch that they would have stood a better chance against Sarsfields. Would you? Would you agree with him, Davy? Uh, yeah, p- possibly. Um, Sars were, Sars were very, very fit and mobile, and and probably a younger team, um, especially their their star players. Um, I think there is definitely three of three those McGrath sisters. I think they're all on the Galway panel. I'm not hundred percent sure, but. They're probably in their prime at the moment, and they were very fit, very fast, very mobile, and um, yeah, the bigger pitch probably helped them. But more importantly, I think they came with an attitude that we're not going to lose this one. They were very, very aggressive. Like um, the very first ball that, um, that the very first ball that they got inside, like took on the full back line, and the outer full back line has been very, very good, especially the two cornerbacks. Um, and that kind of that was the way the game went then really you know they 
they had obviously learned from the defeat for what was it three or four months ago, and um, they weren't going to get beaten this time around. And listen, they had their homework done. Obviously, they know who they had to try and stop. They stopped Owler's game as well. The girls um had been playing some fantastic hurling, like her, the the style of hurling and the brand of hurling that they were playing was fantastic, as good as any men's senior team. Um, like just look back at that game in Nolan Park, like some of the hurling of that was fantastic. Um, but they just never got in their flow, never got any rhythm. Um, the uh, stars are very, very sharp, um, very aggressive. Um, yeah, Owler probably didn't have the the most athletic team. I know N.A. Curran had a good game playing midfield. She's very uh, athletic, very fast, but probably didn't have enough of those players. But listen, it's very, very difficult. You know, you're playing an All-Ireland three or four months later, playing the same team. So um, they obviously learned more. Or you have been up in Owler watching our girls training. Um, we'd have the chaps training alongside them and... It wasn't that they took their foot off the pedal, trainer-wise. Um, they're animals to train, absolute animals. You know, train probably harder than any of them. Uh, any any men's team I've seen, very dedicated, obsessed. It would be one word commonly used about the girls. I think for, <laughs> obsessed about Kamogi. But um, yeah, listen, they were just they were they were, they were probably beaten well at the end. Um, went looking for goals. Sarah sat number six back in front of Owen Lacey. Um, the fullback had done a, a very good job. Una was probably on top in the previous game, but um, Sars were just, they just wanted it probably that little bit more. They were probably hurt from the previous game. So, listen, the girls have done fantastic stuff over the last number of months. You know, they've brought a lot of pride to the parish anyway. That's one thing for sure. And I uh, even saw just busloads of girls gone up young girls gone up to Croke Park like to see the to see their club Camogie team playing up there like you know sure that's just going to inspire another group of girls to come through will they be will they be of the same quality as some of the, the Ursula and Una and Mary and, and those ladies I'm not so sure because it's probably a, a, a once in a lifetime team now albeit they've probably been around for 15 years you know I was up there in 14 sister was playing and they won a couple up in Croke Park before but Listen, uh, they'll probably they'll probably be rearing. They were talking about going back training soon again, so probably have another stab at it again. I'd say. Um, so fair play to them. They've been very good for the club, and um, the club is proud of them. JJ, you'd obviously know a lot of those players quite well as well from your time as Wexford Camogie manager. Have you been? Would you anyway? Would you be surprised that that they're still going to, to the high level they are going, considering it was it was nearly ten years since you took that job. Um, no, I wouldn't, and it's it's actually twelve. It was twenty ten was the first time we won. It's 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 kind of scary that like it's ten years since we won the trainer on. Davy said about fifteen years. Two thousand and seven, they won the first All Ireland County, and Una, Ursula, Mary were 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 the stars of that team. That's fifteen years ago. So to to see, but to see the equipment they have to the game, it doesn't surprise me that that, that they're still going. To be honest with you, um. Dave Davy has just hit it on the head. Like they, those girls are not just, you know, legends in Owlert. They're not just legends in Wexford. Like those are our generation players in in Ireland. That when when it comes to talking Camogie, you mentioned the three of those, like oh, the two ladies, Mary and Una and Ursula in particular. Like those girls have done it all. They've won four All Irelands with the county. They've won 
I think it's a three day one, the one 12 and 15, I think, with the club. And, and obviously, there a couple of months ago. And like what they have achieved, it's no fluke. You know, the work has gone on from the days in their in their primary schools with, with Breeze, Jacob, and them. And the whole way up along, I mean, Owen Lacey won five all Ireland failures. I mean, that's scandalous when you think about it. Like, it's you're only on, she played, I think, in goal for the first one as a nine year old, and then won four more after that to win five all Ireland failures is just it's unheard of it couldn't be done now because you wouldn't be allowed to play a nine-year-old in an under 14 competition and it just goes to show that the quality that they've had and you know to I suppose to compare the girls coming through now to those players would be unfair it'd be like comparing the lads in Ulrich now to the team that's gone before them you know it's like comparing the Kenny senior hurlers now to the to the team that that won the, the four in a row and that kind of thing so I can't see them all hanging up their boots. That's one thing for certain because they love the game. And if they can keep playing and the field they can keep playing, they should keep playing because as as we all know, when you hang them up, that's it. Like you, there's no going back uh once you give it up. So you keep playing for, for as long as you can. But I suppose looking back at the final, you probably look at Sarsfields. I mean, they're no mugs, as Davy said. Like I think they won it in nineteen. Uh the three McGraths, like Arla Siobhan and, and Neve McGrath. You know, they're they the mainstay on the Galway senior team who are you know, all Ireland champions as well. And you look back to December, they got beaten in all Ireland final where I suppose rightly so Owlert were, were celebrating it. I'm sure their thoughts were straight away because they were obviously after winning their own county champion, but straight away onto this one. And that heart and that drive, you could see it in them on Sunday. Possibly Crow Park did suit them a bit. I felt in the first final back in December. I think they probably overthought it a bit. You know, they didn't get enough ball to the full forward line. Siobhan, Siobhan McGrath, I've seen her over the last number of years. You get ball, she's a, she's a Rory O'Connor kind of player. And she did it on Sunday. She's a bit like Shane O'Donnell. Get the ball, they turn in to go for goal. And that's what she does all the time. And I don't think they played enough to her in the first match. But Owler's intensity, if you look back in the first final in December, the intensity that Owler brought to that, the hunger that they brought to that, was just like they were never going to be matched in it. And I think Sarsfield's probably brought that to the final last week. But in fairness to Owlert, any other team would have wilted and could have been beaten by 20, 25 points in that. But, you know, the start that the Sarsfield got one, two or one, three up in the first couple of minutes and Owlert did not back down and they kept going. And they made it, in fairness, into, into a very, very enjoyable game to watch and a very competitive game. And I think they're probably the only team in the country who could have stuck with Sarsfields as long as what they did. And, you know, possibly the pace, that extra bit of pace and that extra bit of hunger. And, you know, I, I think the way the fullback was treating Nuna, she probably got away with a lot of stuff that obviously probably wasn't seen on screen or whatever, but she probably got away with a lot of stuff that, that Owler wouldn't be happy with. But I suppose as an opposition, if you looked at, at, at Una, she'd scored, what was it, two or three goals in the previous final and, she even got a goal the other day, but I think they kind of curbed her. And, and probably what they did as well, they really curbed Ursula. You know, you take the tr- twin threat of them out of it. And they had the pace then in the middle to match the two Kyos and and uh, an acorn. So, you know, it was a brilliant final to watch. And I think it was a great advertisement for Camogie. And it kind of just shows where Camogie has come in the, the last number of years, even from, from my time. I mean, it's, you know, it's chalk and cheese to the preparation and the professionalism. That, that's in it now uh, in comparison to what it was 10 or 15 years ago. And, you know, 
I can only see it going one way and that's getting more and more and if they get the amalgamation that they're you know that that it's been talked about at the minute it'll it'll probably uh your strength in Camogie even even stronger than what it is at the minute. I always felt even though Ireland were a bit behind, I always felt that if one ball up to the full forward line that Una Lacey would would get a goal and bring him back into it. Yeah, yeah. And and I suppose you know, uh maybe the goals are conceded as well. You know, they were of the I suppose the soft variety and and that's a killer on the team. You know, they kind of got back into the game and then consider I suppose it was nearly the the mirror image of what happened in the previous one where Sarsfield got a goal and then Elder went up the other end of the field and scored in the first final. The kind of opposite happened last week and you know when you're conceding goals it's it's hard to to keep pegging them back when you know Sarsfield were popping over the odd point as well and especially when it got into the second half like every score they got Elder were going to need double to to beat it and as Davy said they were able to sit uh, Maria Cooney back and she's very, very good when she's able to sit back in the pocket as a centre-back and cut out the ball, getting into the full forward. And, and Owlert knew they needed goals. Like when they were seven points down, they knew they needed goals to, to win the game. And it suited it suited Sarsfield then to be able to sit back and, and sweep up that. And, and that's exactly what they did. We started doing a, a hurler of the week the last few episodes. Rory O'Connor's won one. Damon O'Keefe's won another. So we're going to extend it this time to the two games. I know Owler didn't win, but I think with how good some of their players have been over the years to get to another All-Ireland final, we're going to extend it to both games over the weekend. But I'm going to ask the two of you to uh, bicker, bicker amongst yourselves to decide who wins this week's Player of the Week. Who do you think, Davey? Obviously, I'm going to go for the, uh, an Owler Camogie player. I thought uh, I thought Anae Curran was and is a very good player. I thought she was excellent in the game. I thought Kira Story did very well when she went back full back to try and um, curb the influence of um, that uh, the McGregor girl full forward. I think Una is always dangerous, and she's had a fantastic campaign. You know, as JJ has any ideas, but um, I thought uh, Anae Curran scored a fantastic goal. I thought she, I, I'd probably go for Anae Curran. Really, I, th- I think she's um. As good a Camogie player as in as is in the country, really. Uh, I think she can only get better and better. She scored a fantastic goal where she ran through and took a shot on the keeper, rebounded, and she she grabbed it and buried it. So yeah, I'd, I'd probably go for an A current. One two yeah. with the goalie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah, she cut right through their defence, and she'd been doing that all year actually. And she's well able to take a point from anywhere out the field too. She's probably hurls very similar to Dio Keefe actually. So uh, yeah, I think I think she's going to be a big player for our Camogie team and, and Wexford there for years to come. What are your thoughts, JJ? Yeah, What's no, listen, it'd be hard. It'd be hard to argue. You know, I suppose that the week that's in it, we probably should go. Like, obviously, you look at the hurling. I think we're already. It'd be hard to look past the talk Conor Hearn and Davy has right mentioned already. Talk Conor Hearn did an awful lot of work with with the hurlers, but I think Rory will probably get a few of these as the as the year goes on. So. I think maybe we should focus on on Owlert. And it's interesting you talk about an acorn. I just think in the last 12 months, she has just come on leaves and bounds. I remember seeing her in, in underage and ha- has unbelievable natural hurling ability. You could even see the touch and you talk about the, the one-two with the goalkeeper, but how quick she was onto the rebound. And even you can just see she's a natural hurler the way she finished the, the second chance to the net. And she has athleticism. She's the future of, of Owlert. I thought she, I thought she, she probably of the older girls on the day, 
there was no real outstanding player, but I'd say she was definitely the best, the best player that that, that Owlert had on the day. And you know, as I say, she's she's she has a big future with both Owlert and and with Wexford if she wants it. And uh, I suppose if she's prepared to keep working hard and to learn from the girls that that, that we've spoken about already, I mean, she said no, you could get no better grounding than. Than watching the way Mary and Una and Ursula and Kira Story and Karen Atkinson and these girls go about their work. So yeah, listen, I'd be I'd be very happy to go with Davy on that one and and go for an Acorn this week. Congratulations to an Acorn for Player of the Weekend. Yeah. Thanks, lads, for for joining us. Thanks, JJ. Thanks, Davy. Matthew Hanlon trying to buy himself a bit of space. A point for Matthew Hanlon. We just want to say thanks to JJ for joining us. We know JJ is a bit of a legend. Won three in a row with the Wexford Under 21 team. Also three in a row with the Wexford Camogie team. We do hope to get him back on to talk about those achievements. Also thanks to Davy Raymond. For joining us again, always good to get his input. Unfortunately, Shane Tompkins couldn't make it. Uh, you, you've heard about this one, Gary? Mm, I don't think so. Everything okay? Uh, he said he was in a rush as he was filling out the forms because he's putting in a transfer to Kiladangan. Oh, no. He's a, he'd be a big loss now for Askamore if, he, if that goes through. Well, I'd say there could be certain legal implications, it being Dar Egan's club. So we'll have to wait and see. We will. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to our sponsor, the NSCRT Credit Union. Take care. Up Wexford. Most importantly, I'd like to thank you, the people of Wexford, who stuck with us through taking pain. Hello, Wexford. <laughs>